0: The Podcast. I am Joe Poznanski and with me, the ever-delightful Brandon McCarthy. Brandon, welcome.
1: Hi, Joe. How are you?
0: I am... I'm doing okay. I'm
1: doing... I'm fine. How are you?
0: How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fine. I'm I'm fine. I'm very very uneventful, so I don't have any better answer than fine or anything worse than that. It's just... It's fine. No, that's fine.
0: Well, the trade deadline's over, so you're a little... Your life is a little clearer now, right? Everything is a little simpler.
1: Well, a little easier for me. Yeah. Now I'm back to to not really having to work or do anything. So I'm I'm right back into that nice, fine category.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So so good. But before we get to baseball and, and all these other things that, that uh, might come up or might not come up, I have no idea since we've done absolutely no preparation like always. Uh, I, I was just talking with our producer Marissa and it occurred to me that I've not brought this up and, and you're the person to bring this up to because uh, of course people who are listening to this show and listen to you talk know about your sort of secret dream to be a, uh, a power washer and I think I've come up with my own equivalent to to being the power washer using using a skill that I have uh, and opening up a business for a skill that I have. So I am very, very good at untangling things, you know, like uh, like um, jewelry. Uh, I can untangle like necklaces and things. Uh, I can untangle headphones. I'm really good at it. I don't know yep. why, but I'm really good at it. So I'm thinking about opening up this is I think where my business needs. I mean clearly this sports writing gig is not gonna last forever. So I'm thinking of opening up a place, untangle it, I would call it something like that, and just have people bring in like really tangled jewelry uh, that that I would would un, that I would untangle for them uh, and then they could also bring headphones in. and headphones I would be able to do the, the way I was describing it, Headphones I could do on a same day service I think, uh, but jewelry I would I would uh, it would be like you'd pick it up like dry cleaning you'd pick it up the next day, uh, in, in order to get your your jewelry untangled. So so I'm curious what you feel how you feel about this business. This is a winner, right?
1: So have we let off? So has one last meaningless thing that's now the front of the show? Is that what's happening? The, the, gr-
0: <laughs> the great part about this is I also have a meaningless thing. So so oh, because wow. I have two. I wanted to get this out of the way so I can get to my meaningless thing later. (laughs)
1: Uh, So do you get a lot of joy from untangling things too? I mean, is it, is it peaceful for you?
0: It's peaceful. Yeah. I wouldn't say I get joy from it. Uh, I think I like it because if I get a piece of like, if, if, if one of my daughters comes to me with some super tangled up jewelry that she cannot uh, untangle, which nobody apparently in this house can untangle anything. Uh, They bring it to me and they leave me alone until it's done, you know, completely alone. And so there's there's nobody bothers me during that stretch because they they respect the the effort to untangle this thing for them. So they completely leave me alone. So I find it extremely peaceful no I, I don't my like I don't have my phone I don't have uh, any work nobody can bother me and I'm just untangling this thing I think it's like a jigsaw puzzle for me I think it's 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 completely brainless and mindless and and so yeah I want to do it full-time I think
1: well yeah I, I mean it sounds like it's a personal help for me <laughs> but I love that you have something something like power washing to keep your <laughs> whatever, whatever part of the brain gets activated by these weird activities where you can do them to completion and people leave you alone. Uh, yeah. I, I really, I'm, yeah. I'm happy for like, you.
0: Yeah. Cause I don't, cause power washing wouldn't do it for me. I, I just think, I think power washing is your like power washing to me is like fun when you turn like it on. But then after a little while it's like, all right, this is okay. I'm done. I'm done with the power washing. But not you. You you find endless joy in power washing.
1: Yeah, and, and vice versa. Like you you handed me a bunch of like not enough jewelry. It just goes in the trash. And you know, just say sorry. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Or someone needs to open a tangling store. Um, which, by the way, you have to ask Megan Amram for the for the name. I'm already racking my brain trying yes. to figure out what's the what's the best name for your store. Um, yes. But that's, but yes. yeah, that without that existing, I would, I would just toss it or say, sorry, I can't, I
0: can't help you. <laughs> See, and that's, and that's why you like for you, like if, 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 uh, if, uh, you know, you were brought jewelry or heads or headphones that were tangled, you'd be like, I'm throwing this in the trash. And, and, you know, instead of that, I can save this. So I know there are a lot of people out there like you. Uh, however, I, we were discussing other things that are similar to, to untangling and like if if you brought me a jacket that like had a zipper stuck in it, I yeah. I couldn't help you. I could not help you with that. Like that's that's you throw out the jacket and get a new jacket. Yeah, it's
1: trash. Trash. That's trash. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's just it's it is it's just done. there's there's absolutely no value to that to that jacket whatsoever at that point.
1: <laughs> and how much it actually takes over your life. That little the Seinfeld scene with Costanza, I mean it absolutely it's happened about three times in my life and it was all focused on everything in the world other than getting this thing untangled and how is this how is this happening why won't this simple mechanism work and just freaking out (laughs) i I totally get it
0: i get it i get it it's just a zipper there's no reason for this all right good i'm glad we got that out of the way because i thought it was uh it was pretty important um you know this baseball season looks like it's actually going to it looks like we're going to make it to the playoffs and there's going to be playoffs. I mean, am I right? Am I reading this right at this point? It feels, it feels like for all of the issues and all of the, all of the threats and all of the, you know, people thinking it wasn't going to happen, it kind of feels like it's going to happen now. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Well, I would certainly think so. I, I, like, obviously I think we'll, we'll look back and we'll forget that we lost a week of baseball for the Cardinals and, uh, and the, um, um well god why am I forgetting tomorrow's um yeah I mean, that'll that'll seem weird but i think other than that i think it's been quite a success story at least on that front I, I mean and i hope it continues that way and and then i think you have to keep your fingers crossed and and hope that nothing like that happens in the postseason where you you have a test and you lose a team for three four days and the chaos that would create but other than that they've i think they've done a great job and i think it seems like the players have been fairly responsible outside of a few incidents where um, they're keeping themselves safe and, and pretty remote. Um and I think like all things considered, I'd say it's gone it's gone pretty well and I would I would expect it to from this point on.
0: Yeah, if it, it feels like they got their arms around it. You know, I mean like obviously early on and and you know, when it's happening early on, you kind of feel like, well, there's no I mean, we're only a week in and and this many games have already been canceled and this many players have already gotten it, and and so on and so on and so on. But it feels like, uh, they've kind of gotten their arms around it and then they're going to try some kind, and, you know, maybe, maybe you have a better sense of this, uh, you know, being somewhat inside the game, but it looks like they're going with some kind of bubble in the postseason, right? Where they're going to have these, these sites where they're going to have four teams, is it four teams or eight teams in each site? And they're going to have four teams, I guess, um, like in LA and in and, and aren't they playing the World Series in Arlington? They're going to do that in Arlington or something, and then and uh, so they're going to have these these bubble sites where they're going to be at least at the beginning of the playoffs um, double headers, right? Where they're just going to be playing these double headers with with four four different teams, two two different teams playing in double headers, and it it does seem like I mean look, there's there's no perfect solution to any of this, but it does feel like that's going to be effective if we can sort of see the effective nature of of the bubbles in, in general in sports, right?
1: Yeah, I've I've only heard that idea floater about. I haven't heard it completely talked about and I don't know if it's if it's a done deal or, or where that, that is past the planning stage. I guess gotta know soon since we've only got about two, three weeks left. <laughs> um, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't seem like the worst idea. Um I, I still I scoff at it just thinking of playoff baseball is as great as playoff baseball is and then playing it in a neutral stadium and, uh, say you have like a Dodgers somewhat to so your Dodgers Yankees and they're playing it in Texas, it would, it would seem weird and you would lose all that, all that vibe, but I guess that's just part of this whole process and, and you get used to it and you'd be happy to watch it, but uh, it's probably the best idea for getting past, you know, having to shut down an entire postseason series because someone pops up with a case and, and that would be worst case scenario for the whole league. So. Um, I'm on board with it if it, if it makes sense logistically.
0: I think that's where I mean certainly that's what I've been hearing is where that's going to go is that there's going to be four sites and four teams at each site and 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 like I say early early doubleheader uh, you know in the early games it'd be doubleheaders played each day and uh, which you know look that'll it's it's going to be a sort of if if they pull it off it'll be like a smorgasbord of baseball, right? Where you just have baseball, 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 which will kind of have a little bit of a, of a feel of the, of like the early rounds, maybe of March madness, which I think would be kind of fun and, and cool. I, you know, I, I, I sort of gave up on the idea of the, of these games feeling like baseball of the past anyway. Uh, you know? So, I mean, while it will be weird to, to see, you know, neutral site games and no fans in the stands and, and all of that sort of thing. I, I don't know. I mean, like when you're watching baseball now, it still feels weird to me. I mean, certainly, there's, I've not watched a single baseball game uh, this entire year where at some point or another I didn't feel like, God, this is so strange. But, but you were really skeptical. I mean, are you enjoying the baseball when you're watching it out there?
1: Yeah, I've been actually finding it weirdly. Um, I haven't noticed that as much as you have. The only time I actually do is for some reason. Yes, network isn't using the fan noise, so if I turn on a Yankees game, um, yeah. that one stands out more. But the rest, I, I found that one with the cutouts in this. It just shows how stupid I am. Like you put the cutouts in the sand, and you put the fake crowd noise, and I know all of it. And I've I've watched a billion games now where I just haven't really noticed it. I guess I, it's been. Uh-uh. Uh, it's been just enough to fool me and I go, yeah, this seems pretty normal. Um, <laughs> and then the baseball looks the same. I I wonder if that'll change in the postseason, knowing that then you don't have that same, the postseason crowd, you don't have the same the same atmosphere and you're aware that you're watching it on neutral site. But I, um, outside of that, I've been pleasantly surprised with regular season baseball and all the little like visual tricks that have gotten me, gotten me over that hump.
0: You know, so I, as, whether it's the U S open, whether it's the NBA, uh, hockey and baseball and soccer, you know, I it feels different. There's no question, but I I don't know if it's because we, I was so desperately in need of sports, or all of us weren't so desperately in need of sports. But I gotta say, I kind of do look past all of the all of the distractions, and, and I mean, the games themselves seem pretty good.
1: Yeah, the games of the games have been good. I mean, you're at least getting back to watching sports again. And we've had some weekends now where it's like, boy, there's almost too many sports on. Like, what am I going to choose? And that's, yeah. that's been a nice thing again, versus <laughs> the opposite. So that's, um, that's been good. I only, it's, I only get annoyed if I really stop to think about it, like the ending of golf tournaments um, like watching Dustin just, you know, kill some of these fields and how great some of these moments have been. And then there, there's been no cheering there and you're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty different. But, but baseball I've been okay with and I haven't watched any of the basketball but I'm assuming I've been I've had friends that are basketball fans who have said it's been been pretty good you haven't noticed it too much so I think they've done as about as well as they could do so I'm, I'm pleased with that
0: Yeah now I mean look everybody's doing the best they can I I've just been pleasantly surprised along those lines that even though like I say at no point have I watched any of these games and thought oh this feels Normal. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I feel like I've been sort of, you know, like, like the, the cardboard cutouts and the, the crowd noise. Like, I don't know how much any of that is playing on my mind at all, if, if, if at all. But I feel like that the games, there's like a, there's like a sort of a new focus on the field, like watching a baseball game where you're not seeing 5,000 crowd shots between I... every pitch has been great.
1: I pro- I honestly have enjoyed that more right? that's why I, yeah. I had the thought about a week ago. I was like, oh, this has been actually really good, at least enough to fool me so I get past it. but then it just it's not like a million distractions, you're not yes. interviewing people, there's not like it's just all the hokey stuff that happens in local broadcasts. yeah, I've actually really because it's just the cameras are on the field, they don't need to show anything else, and they just kind of stick with that, and that's been that's been great.
0: I think it's been great. I mean, I hope I hope it is something that they take into the future. I doubt they will, you know. I mean, once <laughs> the fans come back, I'm sure we'll get to see every, you know, little kid wearing a hat and every, you know, every chubby guy wearing a uniform and you know, I mean, like all the stuff they have to show like mm-hmm. uh constantly uh particularly like on the on the National Fox things where it's like, you know, it's it's like Tarantino. It's like 50 cuts between every at bat, you know, every pitch. And so now—and this is—I really, really noticed this in tennis. I mean, I keep coming back to tennis, but, man, it's all on the court. Every single focus is on the court. And it was even better when they were letting no lines people make the calls. I mean, they, they you know, at the U.S. Open uh, on the two show courts, they have lines people again. We all know Djokovic hit one of the lines people, whatever. But but when it was just the, the machines making the calls— And, and the players playing and no fans, it was like, wow, this is just completely, totally focused on the sport. And I really like that. I, and, and I've, I've loved it in baseball. That has been like the, like, if I had to pick my favorite thing about, about this sort of COVID era television baseball my favorite thing is that all of the focus is on the field, all of the focus is on the players. No cutaways to the fans, no cutaways to the crowd, none of that. And my least favorite thing is that the players aren't playing any faster, even though there are no f- cutaways to the field. And you know, in the, like, like I, if if we could get this and we could get the players to pick up the pace just a little bit, um, I really, really think this could be a big step forward for for the way the game looks on television.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, and I've, I've been an advocate of the 20 pitch 20-second 20 pitch clock for for a yeah. long time now, and I keep hoping that calmer heads will prevail and they'll go to that because I think it's a no-brainer, but I, I think the pace of play problem is, is going to be with us, and we'll probably look for alternative ways to shorten baseball, and, and we'll manipulate weird rules that that don't need to happen <laughs> in lieu of just doing the one thing that seems very simple. Yeah.
0: Did you ever pitch with the 20-second pitch clock?
1: Uh, on, like, rehab assignments um, in the minor leagues, and I don't – it wasn't even a thing you noticed. I, I don't yeah, remember that's even what I considering want. it. Yeah, it just isn't a – it's just not an issue.
0: It's just not an issue. It's, you know, that's – they, they got to bring it in. They just got to bring it in. Like, all of these other little side notes that don't really – speed up the game that they keep bringing out. It's like, although I have to say, I, I'm fine with, with the, you know, the stuff going like, I'm totally fine with the three, uh, pitcher limit, you know, the three batter limit for, for pitchers. Uh, I'm totally fine with it. I don't miss lefties coming in to face one batter. I don't miss that one bit. I don't know why anybody would. It, it, it feels like it's added a little bit of you have to put a little more thought into you know rather than just sort of i, I felt like at times before for a manager it was just easier to make a move than not make a move you know just yes. just go mm-hmm. ahead and you just do something right and like i i'd before i before even expanding it i i don't know how realistic that would be i'd before you have to finish the inning if you you could make only one pitching change a, an inning or something i mean i'd before uh, an even more extreme version of it. But I've got to say, I mean, I think that, that this is one of the goofy rules that seems to me to be working. I mean, what what are you seeing out there?
1: Yeah, I love it. But I I went in as a big fan of it to begin with, so I was going to be predisposed to liking it because I thought it just made sense on on a lot of fronts. And so far, I haven't noticed it. I just noticed there's a lot less times where you're in the flow of a game or at least something's happening, and all of a sudden we're back in a commercial because now – a new guy's coming in and you've right. got that in the of four pitchers in an inning and you're just grossed out by the whole thing. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I just really couldn't say I'm um, So I personally yeah, love it. I yeah. think, I think it's been a great change.
0: I, I think it's been great. I, I mean, I, you know, I, it, here's the thing about some of the rules. I mean, there's been, there hadn't been that big an outcry because everybody understands that, that a lot of these rules are, are really put into place for COVID. So like the seven inning double header I don't know that anybody thinks that's going to be going forward from here on in although I got to say even that I kind of get a little bit of a kick out of it's just it's weird but it's but it's at least it's a little different um but I don't know are people going to beef if the DH because I don't think we're ever going to see a pitcher hit again um I I think the DH in the National League is here to stay and I don't know if that's going to at some point cause a real outcry or if people are just going to just Go, all right, well, that's what the game is now. And I, I think that's the way usually rules seem to work is there's a bit of an outcry at the beginning. Like, it's, it seems so goofy to me now that there really was a bit of an outcry when they changed it so that you didn't have to throw the four pitches on the intentional walk. And now nobody even thinks about that. Just don't They don't even think about it. I kind of feel like it's going to be that way with the DH and the National League. I mean, they will always be traditionalists complaining about it or whatever but I kind of feel like one good thing that's come out of this year is you can you can I don't know if I agree with the rules specifically that they've changed but you can change rules and uh and and go forward you know I mean like, like it. you don't it's not going to halt the game to go forward
1: yeah I mean obviously we're all going to complain it. And- at everything in any situation, I'm, I mean, my only concern with that they would use this year is kind of like a Trojan horse to just start throwing a lot of other rules or making right. some of these rules permanent. Um, then, then it starts to become a little bit concerning. But uh, especially with kind of who's running the game, and you know, are are we looking out for the best interest of the game, or what are we looking out for? But I'll be interested to see right. where it goes. I I have a little bit of a pessimistic mindset toward it, but I think for this year, everything's worked out fine, and uh, I actually. I like the extra inning rule because I was never a fan of extra innings. I thought ties should exist. So I think at least doing it this way at least feels like the end of a baseball game somewhat more or less. You just get baseball to play it out. So you get to get to a decision, but um, yeah, I wonder if it'll be the thing going forward. I really don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know about that one. And I I think that's you, you're such a, you're such a soccer guy uh, ties in baseball First of all, why not? I I don't see any real problem with that, and but but secondly, I I think um, is if you're going to do something like this, uh, where you're going to try to end extra innings uh, more quickly, would you would you want it like this? Would you want like more of a shootout type of 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 scenario? I don't know what that would look like. I mean, look, you could have a home run derby or some goofy thing like that, but I mean, you could have some kind of fun shootout type of thing. Um, you know, I, I, it, the thing that I don't understand, and this is, this is where, uh, where I disagree with so many of the, of the people who are traditionalists about it. They're like, well, it's not baseball. If you, if you extra innings, blah, blah, blah. But nobody, I mean, not nobody, but a very small percentage of baseball fans stay around for extra innings. Yes. Right. Like if you go to the game, they're they're walking out way earlier than the ninth inning. But I mean, it is an, a free for all when nine innings end and the score is tied. It's, I mean, there are there are 30 fans in the stands going, oh, free baseball. And everybody else is like, get me to my car. I saw nine innings. It's over. The game's over. And I, I don't know what, what I, I guess it's those that small minority of fans that loves, you know, the free baseball aspect of this thing. But I think most fans don't.
1: That's what I always think. I, if, if we're going to protect it so much, then the stadium should still be full at the end and, and viewership should still be up and people are clamoring for, let's get more. Let's get that 16. Let's have 17 of things. And I don't <laughs> think that's the case. It's never been my experience in the stadium. It's always the people who are, I mean, there's diehards that they're staying there and they're watching, but it's, right. it's not this massive crowd. I, I just don't understand this obsession with we're going to do this. And I, I was looking at some old box scores from earlier in my career earlier this, earlier this week and looking at some of the game times, and there were so many, like, 230, 235 games or yeah. I mean, early two-hour games, even some 215, 220. You'd say, okay, if you've sat through baseball for that and now you play four extra innings, that takes another half hour, and that gets you to three hours, that's one thing. But if you have played 315, right. 320, and now all of a sudden we're going to sit through another half hour, 40 minutes of extra innings, and we're going to cross the four-hour mark, it feels interminable that last hour. And that's where <laughs> I, why are we, what are we still doing here? It just feels like such a silly thing. And obviously I've always been pro pro tie because, well, we play 162 games. I think we're going to sort all this out in the end. It's a fair right, result at that point. Right. But if you want to finish this, why do we have to play this real baseball? Now, I could see moving the rules from move a runner from second base. And now there's just, you start the inning with a runner at first. So at least it's, your run expectancy is up, but it's not this. And it's not such a crazy where one bloop single and all of a sudden the run is scored and it's like, well, Jesus, we just started this. What? Um, I, I could see changing that, but uh, I'm kind of for it more so than I am against it. I guess.
0: Yeah I, I I don't know. I I I agree with you. Look, I think there's another thing to me that would be really cool about either either. You know, figuring out a way to shorten it, whether it's putting a runner on second or doing or on first or doing something that would make it different, uh, or or bringing seriously bringing ties into the game, which I don't think I don't think there's enough momentum for it, but I'd be for it because my feeling is, then you go to the postseason and you play it out until the very end. Like I like I hope they don't bring this extra inning rule to the postseason. I think the postseason. Hey, if a game goes 19 innings in in you know in Game Four of the World Series, sure you're going to lose a lot of people, uh, just because it's going to be so late because they're going to you know the game's going to go on so long, but that's a classic, right? Like that's that's where you know there's there's a depth of feeling for every single game, but when you have 162 of these, yeah, what what are we doing? Like what well, like like each game is is one one hundred and sixty second, you know, one hundred and sixty second ish of of a full season. And and it's uh, you know, it feels it feels like like the idea of playing it out to the very end should be something that should be reserved to me for the postseason. So I'm for playing around with this uh, until we come up with a formula that that feels pretty good and. And then ignoring all of the complaints and just going forward with it. That, that's sort of how I feel about it.
1: I'm 100% with you. The postseason should be normal. It should just be regular, regular right. baseball and you play that through. That's, that I have no issue with. And if we're going to keep drawing the soccer now, you can play group league stages and you can have ties, but then when you get to knockout stages and you have to have a winner, well, then you play it out and right. you, you play till you have a winner. and that's, I, I'm totally okay with that that in baseball and it's not like anything has to change because roster construction is still going to be essentially the same even if there's a chance of having an 18 19 in a game but i and more baseball in the postseason i think is better than than not because it's just especially actually baseball in postseason it's so tense it's so much going on like that's good television that's good viewing that's i don't think that's the case in the regular season
0: i think that's right I think that's right. I I think if you go into extra innings in the postseason, people aren't leaving either. I mean, look, some will, but but the vast majority of people are going to be like, you know, this is this is tense and exciting and 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 important and and you know, the winner of this game really really matters. While let's be honest, a regular season game in May, the winner of the game sort of matters. You know, I mean, it's 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 just a different it's just a different vibe. So I'm I'm totally for that. All right. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the season and some of these and some of what's going on with you, because I I, it's so the weird part is not the games for me. The weird part is not watching baseball on television with all of the uh, strange rules and gimmicks and sounds and and cardboard. All of that stuff is a little bit weird, but but I, I can get my head around it. What's tougher for me to get my head around is that we've played 42, 43, 44 games, depending on on where you are. Uh, I guess some teams, uh, I guess the Cardinals have only played 35, but generally in the low 40s, season's almost over. You know, I mean, we would, this would be, this would be early May, mid-May, uh, if this was a regular season. And now it's, you know, the timing is the timing. We are in the September crush and And you know there's there's a sort of pennant race going on, even though there really isn't because sixteen teams are going to make the playoffs and and all sixteen are going to have a first round uh matchup. so there's not really i mean there's the advantage of finishing first versus finishing eighth in your league is, you know it's it's finishing first or second or third is pretty nominal you're not there's there's not a significant. You know the the Dodgers are uh, to me far 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 and away the best team in the National League, and uh, so what? I mean, it means that they'll play the Marlins or something instead of playing the Cardinals, which you know they're basically the same team. So uh, so I don't feel like there's a pennant race going on, and that feels weird to me. It's like I don't like I don't even know what the games are for, you know, other than other than it's fun to watch other than it's, uh, you know, I mean, there are teams like the Yankees and a couple of other teams that are fighting for their playoff lives, but as general rule, these games don't feel like they matter. Am I missing that?
1: No, I think, it, I mean, maybe we'll get to that last week, and maybe it'll be close between, like, the Orioles and Marlins making it in or something, and then we'll think it's kind right. of fun. Like, what's what's about to happen? Is there about to be some some actual chaos? I, yeah, I, I still don't feel the stakes, but I, I – I can't get into the, like the, the timing of it. Like you said, this is the second week of May, so you know that yeah. there's a lot of things that are happening right now that are flukes. There's some things that are real, but you wouldn't know. And you would know that most likely the Marlins losing 29-9 last night would probably be more the norm going forward for the next three and a half months of the season. But right. maybe they're a postseason team, so who, who knows? So I, so I think you just... It's like being accepting of all the chaos that this whole year has just been a big garbage fire and let's just accept that it, it moves and everything else. But I'm hoping that that last week, week and a half will feel like something of a pennant race, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't because most of the games I tune into now almost feel like exhibitions where you're like, I'm aware I'm watching good major league baseball, but I don't know what the stakes are. This all just feels sort of, sort of nebulous and they're just playing and, and I'm not sure why.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And I think it could be interesting, particularly in the American League, uh, the last week of the season, not because of the setup, because the setup is is, you know, it's the best they could do, but it's obviously not great. And it's only a 60 game season at most and, and all of that. But the American League is interesting to me because the teams that are fighting for their playoff lives are the Yankees and the Astros and the Orioles. And and kind of the Tigers that are sort of in there too. And so that's interesting to me. I mean, it's interesting to me that it's the Yankees and the and the Astros that uh are having real problems and are both in, you know, look, I think they'll probably at the end of the day, they'll probably pull it out and, and maybe even move ahead of of Toronto or somebody else. But but those two teams are not playing good baseball at all, particularly the Yankees.
1: No, not at all.
0: Like, all right. So, so let's, so the Yankees, you think we've, we talk a lot about the Yankees because of uh because you, me and Mike just have constant uh discussions <laughs> about them, but, but um what do you think? I mean, do you think that it's all injuries and just sort of the flukiness of, of a short season, or is that team have some real fundamental issues that might not necessarily come out with the
1: wash? I don't know. I, I still think a season that's short is kind of looking at a team almost in a playoff series where you get done and right, and, and you go, yeah, so and so didn't hit. And you're like, well, yeah, they didn't hit over four games, so then they lost. But right. that sample size, right. and so like this sample size, is so like they're meant to be where their so depth small. comes out over the size over the span of six months, and like their their money, their might, their everything kind of plays itself out over time. But if you take away that advantage, it almost be like that the Dodgers weren't going well, like it should matter over time because we know the math will work out enough. But if you sit down and you only play 10 minutes of blackjack and you play perfectly, you can still lose your ass as opposed to just, if I sat there for days and days and days, I'll probably do better. That's, so it's very hard to look at that team now and figure out like what's happening. Obviously they're not pitching fantastic. Uh, They didn't really go out, get any reinforcements or do a single thing. And then everybody is hurt. Everybody is hurt at all times. you hear, Every single time you hear someone's coming back, someone else is just <laughs> high fiving them right into the train. It's just a very strange, um, with all the things they've had going on, and they've had underperformance from people who are playing. So I, it's hard to figure out. And like I know your pessimism or Yankee optimism, I guess for Mike and you both think they'll probably win the World Series, and it's all up in a blip. But they definitely just don't look very good.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's my it's my Yankee fear that they're just gonna they're just gonna because it does look like Judge and Stanton are going to come back. Um Paxton will probably come back uh in time for the playoffs and and I mean look Judge was killing the ball. I mean he killing, was absolutely yeah. killing the ball. And, and and you know Stanton he didn't play hardly at all but he was hitting fine too. I mean it's it's both those guys come back. I mean it's like having two MVP caliber hitters if they're if they're healthy. Uh you know, you put that in the lineup and and it feels like but, but I think you're, you, you've you really nailed the thing that I think about. The Yankees could win – like, if it was a 162-game season, the Yankees could win 105 games and still have a 44-game stretch where they played 500 ball, football. which is basically exactly. – right? That's what mm-hmm. we're talking about. I mean, this is – it just so happens this is the only stretch because of the way this goofy season is. So I can't put my arms around it. I, I do think – there are people like Gary Sanchez who is absolutely, I mean, you just, he, you can't put him in the lineup. I mean, he's been so, he's been so bad. You just can't put him in the lineup. And, and, you know, and Garrett Cole has been, you know, he's been good. He's been fine. He has not been the Garrett Cole of last year.
1: No, Um no.
0: And, and I do wonder if like some of this, like carries on. I don't know. I mean, this is what's so that's why this whole season feels so fake. Cause it's like, what can you really analyze? You can't analyze anything. Cause anything you say could be completely untrue and just a total small sample size issue. But I came into this year thinking that Yankees team had no weaknesses, none. And now I look at them and go, you know, if Cole is not dominant, truly dominant, and that rotation is, doesn't really have a dominant pitcher in it. And, you know, bullpens getting a little bit older and, you know, at some point you have to ask whether Stanton and judge can stay healthy for a whole season and, uh, and on and on. And I do wonder if at some point you think maybe this isn't going to work. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with you. It's It's been really surprising so far. I thought they would just kind of walk comfortably, but you know, I, and the injuries obviously play a huge part in that where everything you thought was going to go great. Now, if Talkman's right. starting every day and he's not just his great fence piece that um, you start to get exposed and you realize, like, yeah, we have two MVP players that don't play and we don't know when they'll play. And then <laughs> uh, Cole has been pretty surprising. I thought it was going to be – he just hasn't looked the same command-wise as he did last year where it was just – right effortless impeccable and then with just absolute blistering bullying stuff it's the stuff has still been really good but it's the same command as her but it's just kind of you know we would we'd still be two months from an all-star break it's such a weird thing to try oh, to yeah to kind of figure out like what's real would you just would eventually cole will just go nuts in the month of june and he'd be an all-star start all-star game starter we right and so right. and maybe that happens in this year's postseason where he just he bullies it but it the trends are worrying, but it's like you said, I have no idea how to feel about it and what am I overreacting to and what's real in this. And then even the second question I have is if if they do miss the postseason, they get in and say it's a quick out. Like, How do we look at this next year and years on? Do we even look back at this and and care? Or do we just look at this? Oh, yeah, it was a 2020. A, who We don't care.
0: That is such a great question. That is such a great question. I, I think it is the fundamental question every baseball team is going to have to ask themselves, whether or not you even just skip 2020 when you're, when you're thinking about evaluating how things are going, you, whether you look at it sort of as a, a half measure, I, I think that's a crucial and very, very difficult question for these teams to answer. I mean, like I'm looking at the Astros and, and by the way, when you, when you talk about the Yankees and in, in early in mid May, I think that's 100% right. If the if the Yankees were 500 in mid-May of a regular season, there would be stories out there saying what's wrong with the Yankees? Are they any are they this good? Is this just injuries? There would be those stories out there. It's not like that people would ignore it. That those stories would still be would still be out there, but they'd be out there in the same way that they were out there for the Nationals last year. Right? right? Where everybody was like, "What's going on? Is this, is this team, you know, remember they were uh, they got to fire the manager before the all-star break? I mean, it would, like all of that stuff would be out there, but obviously the nationals had, uh, you know, not just uh, a little bit, but basically, you know, they, they had four months plus to turn things around, which they obviously did. And then they, you know, end up winning the world series. And so I know that's the situation, but like I say, there would be questions. And I think the Astros are, are, are every bit as baffling to me that, you know, I mean, I, that's, that team, there's, there's a different weird vibe about that team. You know, I mean, they're obviously everybody hates them and they're, they're dodging baseballs and, 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 you know, there's, there's just a whole different feel for them. Obviously, you know, they don't have Cole anymore. So that's, you know, that's a big difference. Verlander's hurt. Bregman and,
1: hasn't really and played. It's, her, that, it's that same deal. Right? Like you're, you're taking, you're literally taking MVPs and Cy Young's out of, out of the lineup, and then not looking at them for what is essentially now over half of major league season, and maybe not coming back. And like now, we're not judging the same thing. Like, I mean, most games you turn on and watch the Astros pitch, you go, "Who who is this starting?" And you only know them if you work <laughs> in baseball or play fantasy like in a deep league. And you're like, "Okay, I think I know who this is. This guy played Mayball last year." So it's not what yeah. we're used to. Yeah. But they've still been. I feel like pretty good, all things considered, you know, for what they, what they've been losing, but again, does that ever turn on? Do we ever see them in fifth gear this year or do we just kind of see it through that spotters in second, third gear and we just never see it go. I don't, the nationals thing is what blows no. me away is that if this was last year in that same time, you'd be going, okay, we got to shut up shop. Let's try and get our best draft pick. And we probably have a chance to be first overall right. pick and instead they win a world <laughs> series and we're not going to get to see any of that turnaround this year we're just going to get to see like, all right, we got to make a decision now. Like, what are we, what kind of team are we?
0: That's a great point. It's a, it's, a, it's just so, and you're right. I mean, look, Altuve's out. Uh, um, Jordan Alvarez has been gone all year basically and is not yeah. coming back. Uh, I mean, that's, that team is definitely not that team. I mean, McCullers is out. I mean, nobody's, they, they have nobody. I and mean, they have Zach and Zach Greinke and that's it. You know, the, so, so it is different. But it's so the season ends and assuming the Astros slip into the playoffs and lose early or don't make the playoffs, which would obviously be, you know, uh, really quite shocking. Um, yeah. How do they look at the season? Do they look at the season? And go, Oh, my God, we got to start over. We got to rebuild. We got to refocus. We got to make a bunch of moves. Or do they just go "Nah, never happened? 2020 never happened. I, I think you lean that way. That'd be my guess, right?
1: Yeah. I think you, I, I don't know how you, I mean, you have to take that holistic picture of where is everybody at contract wise? Who are we losing? You know, guys are leaving in spring in free agency. Do we, how do we, you know, I mean, some of the punishments that they, they took, I mean, they are punishments. Like they, they hurt the organization. They didn't get helped by any of it. So very much. they're in kind of a, a, right? a little influx place where this was kind of close to one of the last years of this window, maybe not the last year, but, um, this was a big year. And then, if this one goes away, okay, now really where are we? And then, I, I mean, the second thing that follows all of this is literally the budgets with these teams going next year. Like, are we going to see a crash in budgets? Are we going to see a massive pullback and no real spending right. in free agency? Trying to factor that into all this math, especially when they've had financial penalties. <laughs> like, okay, now, <laughs> how how do we build? How do we build with a lot of these factors going on? The Astros will be in a, in a in a pretty interesting spot.
0: I think so too. I I think that team going forward is, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot happening there um, that I don't know. I mean, are they going to go forward with Dusty? Is Dusty Baker, their, their manager going forward, that's who they're going to build around? Or is Dusty the guy they just brought in to clean up the mess and and he just gets them through the 2020 season? Uh, Dusty has, had a career of that, right? Where people have brought him in and then, you know, when they feel like it's time to move on, they move on. So, uh, so that's going to be interesting. Let me, let, let's talk for a minute about uh, some of the players who, who have been having really amazing seasons because, well, let me, let me start with this. I think this Dodgers team as constructed right now is just about as good a team as I've ever seen in baseball from a roster perspective. Would you agree with that? I mean, when you, when you look at that roster, I don't see a single weakness in that roster.
1: Uh, no, yeah, I'm more or less with you. I could maybe nitpick at the tiniest things, but that's not, it's just unrealistic. I, I think, yeah, I, who knows if they'll win a world series. I mean, it certainly seems like it'll happen, but I, you, you kind of hope they do, so this all gets the credit it should for what for what Andrew's built there in the last few years. I mean, it, it's one thing it's if you look amazing. at it this way, we're like, okay, if this if this doesn't work this year, then their window's closing. There, there literally is not a visible window anywhere in picture when you look at the <laughs> Dodgers. It's nope. like, Hang hey, on, do they have nope. that one at, at the high levels? And you're like, yeah, they do. And They have it below that. And like, yep, they do. Like, it's just. It's such an absolute machine, and the way they use their money, the way they use their development, their player—everything is just sort of like, if you want the perfect baseball franchise for this modern time, like it's there. And the craziest thing about it is, if had they not traded for Mookie Betts, the one of the top three best players in the game, they would probably be close to as good, if not that much. You'd have Verdugo playing out there, who would still be really good. Right. You wouldn't have. It would be. They would still platoon around things and it really wouldn't be terribly noticeably different. And that's how, you know, like, okay, this is a freak show roster that we're watching now.
0: Well, that's what I think. I I think if this was a 162 game season, look, I don't know how many games they'd win. I mean, they won 106 last year. So, I mean, it's not like, uh, not like the, you know, but I just, I cannot remember a team, you know, I mean, of course the Yankees, they won three in a row. That Red Sox team from a couple of years ago—just that one year—they were ungodly and unbelievable. But looking at like sort of this mix of of old and young, this mix of of great pitching and great hitting and great defense, I, they're they're like perfect. I mean, they're playing seven twenty-five baseball. Cody Bellinger is having a you know he he's had a rough stretch, and in, in, you know the the guy who won the MVP last year is hitting 210 for them, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't. It just it doesn't matter. Corey Seager is having like an uh, an MVP type season, and it's like great because we have the best shortstop prospect in the game uh, right behind you, ready to go in at, at age 21 or 22 or whatever he is, and you know eventually he'll come in there and 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 be amazing. You got Kershaw pitching great again, which is so wonderful to see. And he's he's you know, he looks every bit like the like the Clayton Kershaw old. Um, and then you got, you know, Dustin May, 22 year old Dustin May coming in as a as a rookie and and looking fabulous. I mean, it's I don't know what you do. It's they really seem to have broken the system. And of course, they've they've had nothing to pay for, it, you know, nothing to show for it from a World Series Victory perspective, but man, that team is—that team looks like they're going to be good forever.
1: Yep, and that's how it looks. <laughs> when you're working in a front office and you look, you look through from top to bottom, the whole holistic look, you're like, okay, where's the hole? I, I literally, I think the yeah. only hole that I could even see is just kind of depth in games right now is more built on like a postseason roster as opposed to even. As an absolute yeah. baseball roster yeah. and a baseball exercise, it's as good as it gets. It's it's a freak show. But I, I maybe just a little bit of length in games and postseason where, you know, who is the uh, – it's a very similar – you're going to have high quality, but if you're looking to, like, take out of a game earlier the same way you were with Rich or if you had Julio – or if Urias is starting, if you, have, if you have to move players out of the game earlier, do you start to expose parts of your bullpen that you'd rather not have exposed in a playoff series – it, probably yeah. the same kind of issues they've had the last few years. That's still nitpicking, and that can obviously be a few dominant performances, and none of it matters, and they walk to a, a World Series. But uh, there, there really is not much to, uh, to pick on with that team.
0: Well, I think that's right. I I think that's what's so funny about it is that like if you were saying because uh, in a in a weird postseason where you're going to have a three game, a five game, and two seven game series that you have to win. Of course they could lose. I mean, it, it, it's it's not even any question. And I think the the way you look at them is exactly you look at at May, Urias and and uh, and Bueller, uh, assuming Bueller's healthy and ready to go. Uh, you you look at those three and you go, you know, they might be, you know, they they might be three of the dominant pitchers of this of of this decade, right? I mean, you you they certainly could be. They're probably not now. They're all so young. So you yeah, they could they could get beat up a little bit and then you would be putting the the ball in the hands of some some bullpen guys that you don't like. But the truth is all three of them could go out. There's 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 no reason to believe any of the three can't go out and pitch a dominant game because they're they're so they're so good and and they're going to score runs. I mean, that lineup is is absurd. It's they're amazing. They're amazing. But I I really brought them up to mention you know, Mookie Betts has been every bit as good, if not better than you could have expected him to be, you know, he's one of the two or three best players in the game and he's been playing like the best player in the game or, or, or one of the two or three best players in the game. Uh, You got uh, Fernando Tatis there with the, with the Padres who is uh, just, he's just absurd. He's, he's, it's, it's, He's like a new level. He's like, he's like, you know, baseball 2.0 or something. I mean, he's just an absolute absurdity. Um, but then you've got, you know, you've got uh, um, Juan Soto just crushing the ball like like nobody's business. I mean, he's just, he's, he's so ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's, I, I'm just looking around the league at all of these young players, and it, it feels like the last few years, We've been getting really sort of, you know, Mike and I talk about all the time how many great young players are on the game, but man, it feels like now even more so, I mean, you know, uh, across the board, you just seem like there's so many amazing young players in the game right
1: now. So many didn't, didn't even mention Luis Robert. I mean, it was just that there's so many. Luis
0: Robert with the white Sox. It's
1: just really, really good baseball players who were, I mean, just physical freak shows Really talented and yeah. on good teams. Like yeah. the Soto thing, we'll forget about this year because, as well as he's playing, the Nationals don't seem like they're going to be a factor. Although maybe they'll win the World Series. Who knows that? But there, <laughs> there are so many good players throughout, and they're kind of spread. And then even the players who are still really, I would. Bregman will come back. We forget about him. He's in year four, but it feels like he's in because once you get past year three in baseball, it feels like you're in year fourteen. They've been around forever, right? So you're going to have players like that come. And it's just good players everywhere, which is great.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's great for the game. I think that's what's been. I think that's part of what's been so exciting. I mean, like even you know guys like Dansby Swanson's having a great year in it in Atlanta. I mean, that was you know he was he was the number one overall pick and and was a guy that that I think a lot of people started to write off. Uh, and and he seems like he's coming into his own. Uh, um, Trey Turner is is he's leaving the league and hitting. Uh, you know for the for the Nationals, the Nationals by the way have Trey Turner, uh, absolutely crushing the ball and Juan Soto. You know the Soto is is slugging seven fifty or something. I mean it's it's absurd what he's doing, and and they have you know they have Max Scherzer pitching not his usual great but pitching fine. He's still pitching pretty well. And they're terrible. Like, I don't, like, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know, other than the fact that it's just, you know, they've only played 40 games and and you can go 60, anybody can go 16 and 25 over 41 games. But man, I mean, it feels like, it doesn't feel like there are that many disappointing seasons happening there for them to just fall off like this.
1: Yeah. I guess just uh, pull Strasburg out of there, pull some pitching out and, uh, core, but not yeah. as, as good as he was last year. and Now, uh, right. just some of those margins right. start to go away, and you're a little bit. Who knows? Maybe it would be. And I don't know where. I don't know when Strasburg comes back. I don't know if he's done for the year. I can't remember if I saw that. I know he had the carpal tunnel surgery, but I would assume for this season. But maybe in a regular season, he's back at the All Star break, and all of a sudden, um, you've got a team that turns around at that point And I don't know. They are they are a very team, strange team to watch, but I, I feel that. 'Cause this is usually the part of the season where you start to move into that muddled mess anyways. Um, it's hard to tell who's who and so it's weird watching games now. Like, are the Reds bad? Are they good? And I, I know I, I texted you and <laughs> Mike the other day, I have never in my life known if the Cardinals were a good team or a bad team at any point in the right. season. They're just always sort of like, Are they are they good? I think they're okay. Um and so I have no idea what they are right now. And then even the Cubs who seem like a very good team. You still um I haven't gotten to see as much of them as I have of a lot of other teams this year. But I see they keep winning and it's like, okay, are they are they really good again? Or are they is this kind of still an early sample size? They seem to be pitching pretty well and obviously you no know, we they we know they have a lot of bats. Is this maybe they're just as good as they were and then maybe that's the real threat to the Dodgers this year. I don't I don't know.
0: I can't figure them out at all. I mean, it feels like they're – I mean, we know the names. They're pretty good. But, I mean, they're not,
1: they're not really scoring a lot of runs. And uh, Do I they – And they tell me, do they beat or lose to the Reds every single night of the year, three to nothing? <laughs> I, every single day I go to look at the box score, it's like it's either the Cubs or the Reds have three, the other team has nothing, and that was the game. And, like, is this – where in the matrix am I? I swear to God, I've seen this result 35 times though.
0: Well, it's like, do the lions play the Packers every single week of the base (laughs) of the football season? It's like every week, like, Oh look, the Packers and lions are playing again. Wow. That's eighth time this year that those two guys have played. Yeah. I, the, the Cubs thing is so, it feels like that whole team has been like, the reason they're good is you Darvish and like nobody else. Like I don't, Nobody, the only guy on that, in that entire lineup, that's having a good year. I mean, obviously there are a couple of guys having, Well, uh, Ian Happ, I guess is having a really good year, uh, which is a little surprising. Uh, but Jason Hayward is having like a, a really good year, but Rizzo is not and, and Baez is not. And, and, uh, uh, you know, Bryant is, is he hasn't had a hit basically all year and, uh, and been hurt. I mean, it's, it's so weird. And then you see, you're like, how is that team? This it, this is sort of a, a question I have. So you look at the angels, all right. And the angels uh, obviously trout is trout. So he's, you know, we know that we're, we're used to that, but then the angels in the off season uh, obviously made their very, their big splash by getting Rendon and Rendon's been really good. He's been, fantastic. been He's, he's been, been fantastic. Crushing the ball. And they're still terrible. So <clears throat> you look at them and you go, well, look, they have two guys having, like, like world-class seasons and a couple other guys having pretty good years, and they're terrible. And then you look at the Cubs and you're like, God, nobody in their lineup is having a good year. And their rotation is basically two guys. It's Darvish and Hendricks. Nobody else is really, is, is really being effective at all. Um, and yet they're good. And obviously, again, it's all small sample size, but it is funny baseball is just whenever i see people like trying to do baseball matchups uh the way they do in football or basketball where you're like all right who, who who has the advantage of third base who has the advantage of shortstop i just think this is so stupid this is just not how baseball works at all
1: no it's, it's i mean you have to look at it as a big math experiment like it's not the big things it's the little remainder pieces
0: and how good are these yes. Like
1: they, is their platoon player that the guy you don't really notice in the lineup? It's the Kike Hernandez. He goes in and hits seventh, but he does it against lefties. He does it with plus defense wherever you stick him, and then he usually comes up with a big hit or two against lefties in those games. And that's you're not exposing someone who's just kind of a wash against like that's where the math just starts to work out in your favor. You're like, God, they're really good. I know they have a bunch of freak shows. Why does Bellinger being bad not matter? It doesn't matter because his production is spread through the rest because math just says that it's it's going to yeah. work at more positions. And that's – it's very weird to look at good good rosters and you're like, oh, that's why that's better than – I mean, the Angels have two of the top five players in baseball on their team and are a very, very bad team. Right. It's really strange to see that, but it it's not a basketball team. It's But it's true. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, it's – it's not. You're right. It's so different. I mean, the to me the perfect example of that is is Oakland, right? It's like you nobody nobody cares about any individual player in Oakland. I mean, they have some very good. Players. Look, Marcus Simeon last year was was you know a real true MVP candidate. I mean, he was and great.
1: Matt Chapman he's, is, a, he's, is a star.
0: Matt Chapman is a star. But but I was gonna say. This year Semyon is hitting 210, 215, just terrible. Chapman's hitting 230 and not walking. And it doesn't matter. They're no. still they're still good. And I think that's the reason is that it's it really is not just 25 man roster, but when, when guys go down, other people come up and and you know it's 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 guys like Tommy Listella and 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 uh, and uh, you know Chad Pinder and and these other guys that just kind of come in. And, uh, and a great bullpen. I mean, it's, it's so, you know, it's, I, I think that's where, you know, we, we get so tied up. I mean, we, I mean, people like we're baseball fans and, and, and us in the media, we get so tied up with the stars and who are the MVPs and, and all of that stuff's important, but it no sport, maybe soccer. I don't know. You, you could speak to that. Maybe soccer, uh, where it's all 11 guys on, on the, on the field, on the pitch. Um, but to me, no other uh, sport is it so focused on, on the depth and, and having just good players everywhere.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, you're, you're seven innings from Strasburg. It doesn't matter if Daniel Hudson doesn't throw a scoreless inning here in this high game. Like, it just right. goes out the window that fast Where Your weak link theory is just your good players can be good, but how bad are your bad players? And if the other team has better bad players than you do, it can negate so much of that advantage of your good players. I and mean, you just, especially in a game where your good players don't have effect all the time where, I mean, Bookie Betts still only gets four bats a game. And if they're not in big situations, it right. doesn't matter. He gets walked. It doesn't, it kind of goes out. Now, if you have LeBron touching the basketball as much as he does, then it's going to matter more. But otherwise it's, if you can leave good baseball players behind and they can be somewhat worthless in the game because they get to only come up a few times, your bad players better be pretty good and, and be
0: better than the other teams. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. I, I just feel like in baseball, you know, and, and I think like in football, everybody knows how important the quarterback is, right? I mean, your quarterback is essentially, uh, especially in the NFL, your quarterback, well, in college too, your quarterback is, he's not, he, he, you can't even put a percentage on it because everything builds so much around the quarterback. That doesn't mean that you can't, that a, uh, a great quarterback can get you by having a terrible offensive line or no receivers or any of that kind of thing, but you could have a great offensive line and great receivers and a terrible quarterback and and it, you're not going anywhere in the NFL. So, so it, it doesn't feel like baseball has that. You know, I mean, no matter how good, well, Mike Trout is living proof. You could be the best player in baseball and – never make the playoffs in, in baseball. Even if they expand the playoffs, you still could be never make the playoffs if you're the very best player in baseball. And, you know, I think that's true for, certainly as for a starting pitcher. It's true for a closer. I don't, there's there's nobody who can make enough of an impact on the game that one or two players can make that much of a difference in baseball. No,
1: outside of a, outside of a starting pitcher in an individual game, which is closest to the quarterback analogy. Right, in but, one game. Yeah. right. But not over a whole series, yeah. no.
0: In soccer, do you feel like do you feel like it's that way in soccer? Or do you feel one, one or two players can make significant enough difference that that a superstar in soccer can have more of an impact than a superstar in baseball?
1: It depends on where they they play and then like their importance to to a system and can they actually be shut out in that system? But I think generally the the weak link theory. I mean, you can have some players who. get pushed aside and they just don't get you don't get noticed much and you can avoid them unless the other team really attacks it but i don't think it's as much as as baseball i think you can hide a little bit more in soccer whereas baseball uh well i guess there's a lot of hitters that can hide in baseball too so it it, um it's actually a hard question to answer now that i think about it
0: yeah i i don't it's, it's it's a very interesting thing of course in baseball you can be a you can be a you know a weak hitter, but you can be such a plus defender. You can make a huge impact on the game. Um, you know you could be a, a weak defender, but you can be such a great hitter. You can make a huge impact on the game. As a as a pitcher, you can be you know you can be a, a big uh, strikeout pitcher and make a big impact on the game, or you could be a, a pitcher who who, you know, doesn't walk anybody and, and has great command and, and moves things around. I mean, there are just so many different ways, I think, in baseball that you can that you can impact the game. But I I just find more and more and more of myself thinking that the very, very, very best baseball players, uh, while they are incredible to watch and so important to the game and so important to, to teams. I'm not trying to downplay their value to teams. Their value is still incredibly high. They can't do that much without a lot of depth around them. I mean, they, you know, they can for short periods of time. I mean, it has happened where like, uh, you know, remember when, when Vlad Guerrero had that like three or four week period where he basically, you know, knocked in, you know, the game winning hit every single night was hitting, you know, key home runs every night. Yaz had that amazing run in 67 where for a month he carried the Red Sox. I think you can for stretches of time but over over a season, I just I just find it impossible to believe that you could have another sport where you could have two of the best players in baseball the way the Angels do and be a complete non-factor as a team. Just be terrible as a team.
1: <laughs> it doesn't and they they have a decent starting pitcher in Bundy, they've got Otani on the team. Like they have really a yeah. David Fletcher's really good You got. I mean, there's there's a lot of talented talented players there. And you're like, it just doesn't if it doesn't work all the way through, if it's not there from top to bottom, or at least it can't fill the gaps that it creates of itself. Like it is just I mean if you just can't pitch, obviously. You just you can't do you can't do anything.
0: Yeah, but, but you but your point is right. I mean look, Bundy is Bundy's had a terrific year. Uh, Dylan Bundy has been terrific. Andrew Haney's been fine. He's been he's been you know he hasn't been great, but he's been pretty good. They've got some guys in the bullpen. I mean, you know their 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 closer situation is not great, but they've got some guys in the bullpen that have pitched pretty well. Um, you know, generally speaking, I mean they 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 don't have a good pitching staff, but they're third in the league in runs. I, I don't know. They're, that's it's probably worth a whole other podcast separately to talk about the Angels. I I don't get, you know, like I like they've made a lot of sort of mistakes and they've put a lot of big money obviously the the hole steal is has been a uh you know an unmitigated disaster to be honest. And and the uh, Josh Hamilton uh was even a worse disaster. And you wouldn't say Justin Upton has necessarily been been, you know, he he's been he's been struggling badly this year and all that. And even Otani, I mean, I, you know, you, you, mentioned Otani uh, so much hype and so much joy that he brought. And we were all so excited to see, I mean, he, he can't pitch now and he can't really hit. I mean, you know, he's, he's got great power, um, but he's not showing it. And, you know, they're playing him every day and, and he is not, you know, he's got a 78 OPS plus this year. Uh, in the in the thirty five games that he's played, that doesn't seem like that's worked. I, it it just feels like they've got some mixture of bad judgment and bad breaks. It feels like.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's probably a good way to put. I mean, Otani, like how much is his injury is affecting him hitting right now? Because I mean, it, a I would lot. certainly I imagine think. it. It probably is. Yeah, and that looking at the, the decline in performance, and again, he could just be a sample size early on. He's got an injury. If we had three and a half more months, would this make a difference? I don't know. And, Right. Um, right. But the rest, yeah, it's – I like there's a lot of at-bats if, if Justin's not hitting well and you've got two holes, it just, uh, just kind of is where he is. Like how many at-bats like that does it take to cancel out Mike Trout, Rendon at-bats where you can still have a pretty good offense, but Yeah, it can't overcome – I always say like those spots, if those were just good hitting platoons that they can move through and you're just – five to 10 percentage points better there would that be enough to overcome um lackluster pitching where they just have a couple more runs a game and then all of a sudden you're four wins better and it's a whole different scenario that's the but i I think if you just have a complete collapse at a few offensive positions even with elite elite talent around it i think it just it just doesn't quite run
0: yeah i want to talk for one more minute about uh about uh Pujols, Albert Pujols, because obviously, because we need more. It's not. Content. It's not coming.
1: That's that's what the internet is claiming. Yeah, there you go. More more angels content.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think about it because it's look the Pujols career is coming to an end. I you know I mean I I know he's got he has another year right. He has another year on this contract, or or is this this it? Mm, uh,
1: yeah, he's got two? like. Uh,
0: No, I think he's got one more year and it's like that. It's like that personal services contract. It's like he got like a 30 million, one more year, 30 million.
1: He has one more. Yeah, you're
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. One more. All right. So, you know, look, it's coming to an end. And here we are talking about one of the greatest players in in baseball history. I don't think there's any. Have you faced, by the way, Pujols? Like not Angels Pujols. Did you face Cardinals Pujols? Did you ever face him?
1: I don't think I got him in St. Louis, at least that as far as I remember. Okay. No. Okay.
0: Well, but obviously we're talking about one of the, one of the greatest players in baseball history, a guy who at age 31, when he, you know, his last year, of the Cardinals, I mean, you were, I mean, he was in the conversation much in the same way that Frank Thomas was the first half of his year career, the way Ken Griffey was first half of his career. Um, where you know you were like this guy has a chance to be one of the you know top 5 players ever. I mean it's the those were those were the kinds of numbers he was putting up. He was he was great defensively, he was great uh, on the bases even though he's not very fast. He was he just did everything. Just did absolutely everything. And then it comes to the Angels and you know we all know how that's gone in the last 5 seasons, he has essentially been a replacement level player. I mean, he's Nobody other than a great player like Albert pools would even be on the field anymore based on what he has done the last five seasons, even though in those five seasons, he had a couple of hundred RBI seasons because, you know, when you get that many at bats, you, you know, you'll, you'll be able to knock in some runs. Uh, But it's just been, it's been painful and excruciating to watch. And look, I'm glad he's done it because he deserved every penny that he got from the Angels, he he didn't get it from the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals paid him, you know, what they what they needed to pay him, but but he he deserved so much more. And I'm you know happy for him, but it's it's hard to watch, and and it's not it hasn't been great for Albert. Certainly hasn't been great for the Angels, and I don't think it's great for baseball. It's not great for baseball fans to just watch year after year. I mean. It's now been he's been in in Anaheim uh, for this is his uh, ninth season in Anaheim. That means there are a bunch of people who grew up with Albert Pujols, never knowing that he was ever a good player. Right. Like, you know, they they've never known. And I just think that's really I, I don't I don't there's nothing to be done about it. That's just the way the system works. And like I say, I what the, the last thing in the world. I would want is for Albert Pujols not to be able to cash in. Uh, for all those great years that he didn't get paid for early in his career. Um, But it's bad for the game, I think. I think it's sad. It's just, it's, you know, he's going to go first bout in the Hall of Fame and there are going to be a whole bunch of people that are going to be like, that guy? Like, I I guess he was good when he was young. But, man, every time I saw him, he was pretty darn mediocre. And and I just think it's, I, I just, there's a part of that that really bothers me and crushes me a little bit,
1: you know? it's a pretty unique thing to baseball when, as you bring it up, but like, it doesn't really. And I think part of it is the guaranteed contracts in baseball. And the other thing right. is it's like this, like feels it a history that we feel like, yeah, he was good. So he gets to keep playing sort of, and, and certainly with a lot of organizations, there are other organizations that just wouldn't give the at-bats. Um, and so there's a, right. That effect. but I, I really basketball, obviously the deals, the deals aren't as long, so you can move on from them faster. Um, football you just you know he would have been cut seven years ago and okay see you later and that's (laughs) that's enough for um soccer if it's bad we just will transfer you out or you just don't play it just it's very weird how baseball will kind of just sort of go down with the ship out of like respect it's a very strange thing because we know the two ways you can get really hurt is one by bad performance and two by paying a lot of money now like if you're paying a lot of money to someone who also can't hurt you in the lineup because they're not playing, well, that's not as bad, but this like the double-edged sword is it, strange how we do this so it's much really in baseball with Miguel Cabrera, with Pujols, these ungodly good hitters. that we still remember and are still very, still pretty talented. Players. I mean, they still can do things, but this idea that every day they're going to still be in the lineup more or less and they, they can make your team worse while also being a siphon of a bunch of money. It, it's hard to have that. Like, I know what you're talking about where, he should have made his money and it's fantastic that he did because he was underpaid early in his career but now it's a lot of money and it feels like a waste it's it's a very strange strange thing that baseball has that's pretty unique
0: yeah it's it's just really it's really unusual and it, across sports for sure but it's also the, the one thing that I do find interesting and maybe this will happen to pull you know maybe when he retires like you still hear from people over and over again about how Ken Griffey Jr. belongs, you know, among the all-time, all-time greats. I mean, obviously he's one of the all-time greats, top 50, top 25, whatever you want to put him. But, I mean, people who want to put him there with Mays and and uh, and Aaron and and Musial and Williams, they want to put him in the top 10 all-time. And he, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as, as it's been for pool holes, but he had a 10-year stretch where he was not very good for the reds. He was hurt all the time. Uh, he had a couple of good years in there, uh, but he had several years where he was, he was not very good at all. Uh, you know, and they had that, that little weird time where he was with the White Sox, remember for like 40 games and then went back to Seattle and that, that wasn't great at all. And, uh, you know, as as players get older, that's what happens. But for him, people seem to forget that. They seem to just which is which is the way I wish it could be. They just forget that that for, for a full decade, Ken Griffey Jr. was a 260, 350, 483 hitter, uh, who who really had lost his 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 speed and ability to play defense. Uh it's like they forget it. It's like that decade has just disappeared because Griffey had so much charisma and was so joyous and was so great when he was young that they forget that. I don't get the feeling people feel the same way about Pujols. I don't get the feeling that that, that people are forgiving. And maybe it's because we're in the middle of it and he'll retire and and everybody will forget these last 10 years and, and go back to 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 the the extraordinary player he was in St. Louis. But I've just noticed that I feel like there's a different response to to a guy like Pujols than there was to a guy like Griffey.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of that will just be there naturally, like you talked about with the charisma. Even, I mean, Pujols was an unbelievable player but he wasn't a a phenomenon who just spread the country and it wasn't this like no like if you're a baseball fan it was a must watch it bat, but it wasn't for a casual i don't think and then he played in st louis which is everything is sort of played down there as it is so like you forget a lot of that time like how freakishly good it was whereas griffey was you were very aware of it you there were shoes video games everything was there and just being a different time you'll just be looked at differently and i'm trying to find like a comp now we're like Tatis will capture everybody's imagination that will make sense to so many people i I can't think of a good parallel where just it just won't be the case in in some other organization just someone with a choir person maybe even a trout like i mean we're coming up now on that limit where like trout's at the place where griffey was when griffey was still transcendent and then all of a sudden it just sort of changed and then it was just sort of another eight nine ten years of good baseball player but not elite of,
0: of good right
1: yeah exactly and if exactly. trout turned next you do year wonder and that came out if, if trout had an 820 ops next year i was like yes and then that's just sort of a continued slide through the end like we'd still be like great player would we remember this absolute just electrifying nine-year period where he was just head and shoulders above anybody else and i'm not sure.
0: I what? I don't know. And part of me thinks yes. And so that makes me wonder if, if part of it is being an outfielder and like a lot of what made Pujols so great. Pujols, I, I really do bring up the Frank Thomas comparison. I think Pujols, I know Frank Thomas was your all-time favorite player. Yeah, careful. Uh, but, but Pujols, yeah. No, no. Pujols was a better player than, than Thomas because he was a great defensive player, because he did a lot of things on the bases. But pure hitting purely at the plate. Frank Thomas, as you all know, you go, I don't know how long, 10 years into his career. And you had an argument that Frank Thomas was the best right-handed hitter ever. Right. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. like, it was, you know, it was people were comparing him to like Rogers Hornsby and things. I mean, it was, it was, it was absolutely absurd. And then look, he was still good after that. And he had a couple of very good years, uh, but it was different, you know, after, after 2000, I would guess, uh, I'm looking at it now. So yeah, 2001, 2008, he was still good. He had 262, 376, 507. Uh, you know, walked a billion times like he always did, and 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 you know, hit enough home runs, and he was still good. But he wasn't that legendary, absurd. I mean, look, he had 321, 445, 579 for the first decade of his career. It's 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 un it's ungodly how good he was, right. and. And then he stopped being that good. And so look, when he, he went first bound in the Hall of Fame, and he, of course he should, and everybody knew he was good, but it wasn't the same vibe as if he had gone, you know, in during that stretch where he was, you know, basically unparalleled as a hitter. Um, and so I wonder if maybe being a first baseman and and doing a lot of things that, that were sort of behind the scenes, what Griffey does and what Trout does, uh, are so exciting. Maybe, maybe that's what overcomes people. Sort of can accept that Ken Griffey and Mike Trout can't be that dynamic forever. That age eventually will catch up with them. But these sort of quieter things that that Frank Thomas or Albert Pujols or or a player like that did, maybe it's harder to maybe you know maybe maybe you just don't are not as understanding about getting older. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I really like. I don't know how like the general public views positions um and how that creeps in and in terms of their excitement i i don't know it's a good question yeah
0: anyway it's kind of an interesting maybe interesting maybe not i i don't think anybody's gone this far with us into the podcast so it doesn't really matter
1: um now we can just start discussing but, families but, <laughs> <laughs> at this we could just
0: literally we could give away country you know you know American secrets we could just give those nobody's listening nobody
1: cares <laughs> have you morning. eaten anything good so lately?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and that's why it's, it's the perfect time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing it's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless talk about sports and we draft things we know like how beaches are terrible places to go no hot fruit for michael no diet coke for joe the podcast whoa it's one last whoa and uh you know, I did my. I have a. I have a second meaningless thing because I. I pulled out my, uh, my store where I untangle things uh, early. But uh, I have a second one. If, uh, if you have one, this no, no, is no uh,
1: go first. Like, I want to hear you. You came in. All right. you came all right. in
0: ready. All right, here's. Here, yeah, here's. I did. I did come in ready with this. So, um, it's obviously like everybody else. We have had to endure the whole. <laughs> what the heck does school mean in, in this time of COVID? And we have two daughters and our younger is in high school. And she is, uh, she is, uh, taking online courses. Uh, but our older daughter was uh, supposed to go to college. She was supposed to be a freshman, uh, at uh, the university of Kansas, uh, this year. And she, uh, is, is not there even though they are, uh, open. And I'm putting that in quotation marks, uh, basically all of her classes were going to be online anyway. It's really weird to go to college and then just stay in your dorm room and take online classes. That that doesn't that just seems very very strange to me. I don't have any idea why people would want to do that. But she did not want to do that, so she is taking online. So she is at home uh this this semester and she's not, you know, she's not happy about it obviously and would would love to be experienced in college. And we're hoping that'll happen really soon. So every day for her is, is essentially the same. She, she takes her online classes. She, she pops out for meals. She'll go and, 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 you know, social distance, uh, meet with friends. And that's basically it. Every single day is exactly the same. And so she wanted to do something, uh, to sort of break the monotony. And what she has done is she decided she was going to learn how to roller skate? That that was her that was her decision. I, she had seen that movie about roller derby that uh, that uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it inspired her to say, "Okay, I'm going to learn how to roller skate." So every day she goes out to the to the driveway and takes a half an hour, forty five minutes, an hour, whatever it is. And practices roller skating uh, on the driveway because you obviously you can't even go anywhere to roller skate. None of the rinks are open, and and we wouldn't go there anyway. So she she uh, roller skates on the driveway, and this has been very funny to me to watch because she she's gotten quite good at it. Um, but she wants me every so often to go out and watch her and and give her uh, tips on how to roller skate better. So few times a week, I will go out and watch her roller skate and I'll say things like, okay, well, you need to, you need to crouch more, uh, kind of get deeper into a little bit more of a crouch. <clears throat> okay. You want, when you come to a stop, you want to, you want to get your skates pointing at each other and, and do this and, and, you know, Hey, use your arms more. You try to get a little bit more of your, you know, left foot, uh, involved and, you know, and I'm giving her all these tips. I don't know how to roller skate. I I totally do not know how to roller skate. I'm I'm just making this up as I go. With her every day, I just kind of give her tips on how to roller skate based on absolutely no knowledge whatsoever. So, I I just this is this is what my life has become is I've become a roller skate skating coach for my oldest daughter uh without knowing how to roller skate um you know, and and I just I just find that to be that's sort of perfect twenty twenty to me. Is that I'm out there, you know, some some sort of weird Mister Miyagi trying to teach my daughter how to roller skate when I have no idea how to do it. So that's my meaningless thing.
1: I think what you just described is parenting, like <laughs> where you're just you're making things up on the fly. It's a lot of lying, yes, but like confident lying because I'm older than you, and that's that's what I right. felt like you just described. This is the perfect. He's teaching your kid to roller skate.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it feels different in that one. She could fall based on whatever false information. I guess maybe that's not different. I guess that's parenting. Is that we're we're giving them advice they could fall all the time when they realize that the advice we give them is is stupid and and wrong. But like like it's always felt like if if they asked me like a math question, uh, when they were young and they'd ask me a math question, I could give them the answer. And then when they got older and they'd ask me a math question. I'd be like, I don't know because I can't give them an answer because that answer would immediately get checked. And and if it was wrong, then 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 I had done them no good. This just feels like this weird mid zone where I could sort of say things that sound like they make sense. Like, oh, yeah, no, no, it's good. But you really need to, like, really lean forward a little more. Like, I, I don't know if leaning forward is the right answer. That could absolutely be the wrong answer. And, but it doesn't matter. Cause I'm just, uh, I'm the only, I'm the only person around. There are no roller skating coaches, uh, that I know of in, in the area. So, so I get it. It's just me. It's just, it's, 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 uh, I get to do, I, I really do. It's sort of, it, it really, now the more I think of it you're right. It really is just getting to extend my parenting a little bit longer. That's basically all it is just giving her bad advice uh, like I've been doing all her life, and just, but taking it to this whole new extreme. I think that's good.
1: Just screwing up in the, in when you meant your best, that's really it. Like that's yeah. the essence of parenting. <laughs> like I, I ruined everything, but I really, truly tried as hard as I could. I think I
0: tried. I
1: did. Like I thought bending over and doing more with your left foot was the answer. <laughs> She'll watch a YouTube video and like, Hey, now two of the keys of roller skating, literally the first two things is your left foot has to not be active. And you have to stand up, bending over the old way. <laughs> you have to like, stand
0: up. Do, oh, sh- do not, do not lean forward. Whatever you do, yeah. the worst thing you could do is leaning forward. Leaning
1: forward. And I'll explain yeah, it so it was... simply because of this. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Well, well, it is good, though, because, I mean, it's it's fun. I, I Clearly, I think she has done her own research, so she doesn't listen to me anyway. So it's just more the comfort of having me say something. But it is really amazing what – now you can just pick up uh just by going to YouTube and just doing this. I you know, we uh you you're aware because you were very helpful. we we've did we did two wonderful campaigns this summer, um as part of uh, Passions in America, where we were involved uh, where we did a tip your cap campaign to the Negro leagues, which you were very, very uh, instrumental and helpful in, uh, where we celebrated the hundredth anniversary of the Negro Leagues. And we did a campaign where we uh, celebrated and commemorated the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment uh, being ratified, which is the amendment that gave uh, some women the right to vote. Of course, uh, as, as years went on, uh, uh, there were other things like the Voting Rights Act and all of that. But anyway, we did these two campaigns, and you can go see uh, them. TippingYourCap.com is the one that uh, where you can see uh, the commemoration to, uh, to the Negro Leagues. And FirstWomanVoter.com is where you can see these amazing videos that, Women just, there are more than 150 on there now. Just incredible women from, from uh, Laura Bush to Kamala Harris. We just, we got a great one uh, last week from Simone Biles. The, I mean, it's just, it's been amazing. But anyway, those two websites, firstwomenvoter.com and tippinyourcap.com, uh, I did them there. I did the website. I am the website. I don't know how to do a website. I have no <laughs> earthly idea. No clue how to do a website, man. You go to YouTube though. And you watch YouTube for like, you know, a couple hours or whatever. You can learn anything. I honestly believe if somebody came to me in cardiac arrest and they gave me enough YouTube time, I'd figure it out.
1: You figure it out. out. I mean, like there's a chance you would leave (laughs) as like a militant racist, but you you would also have this skill. (laughs) So it's like, it's a wonderful site. But it's it has its drawbacks. It's basically yeah, it's just like yeah, the it's, no,
0: where you're it's, like... <laughs> and 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 they they have to me the worst version of whatever it is that's predicting what you want to see based on what you've seen. Good god, which, which yeah, it's they, they have because all of them do right. All of them have that predictive uh, quality. So like, oh, you follow. Uh, you follow, uh, you know, Buchiambi, so you must want to follow, uh, you know, uh, uh, Matt Gates. I mean, it's just weird. It's like there's no, there's no real logic. But YouTube has the worst version of it. Like you, when I look at my YouTube page, of like, you know, oh, I watched several videos to learn how to, to create this website, and suddenly it's like videos like, oh, so you're probably very interested in uh, this QAnon uh, theory. I mean, it's just right. a very it's very weird. You tell, it's you like know, it tries gotta, to predict your mood from something
1: you that. watched two years ago. And you're like, I'm watching something how to make this right. now. And it's like, do you <laughs> want to watch an interview with Ron Say? And you're like, no, this has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. That's a whole other time. Why did you suggest that? <laughs> that, that is
0: That is a great – that is another great thing. If you watched like three years ago, like you were flipping around and you just happened to watch like, oh, you know, this was – uh, I am interested in this, uh, you know, seeing this ping pong, uh, you know, video, then that's it. Like literally the, you'll get like 10 videos where they're like, oh, you know, comparing butterfly rackets with the paddles with the, you know, it's like, wow, no, that's not great. All <laughs> right. So there we go. That's my one man's meaning thing. Do you have a one last meaningless thing for us?
1: Uh, I guess I, but well, it sort of dovetails with the idea that we're all trying our best and nobody knows anything. And a lot of that is like, um, it's maybe my last like COVID complaint, but there's a little restaurant near us that we've, we've gone to a couple of times and they have like COVID rules in place and everything's distance and everything like it's masks. But the rule is that if you're, when you enter or leave, you have your mask on. If you get up to go to the bathroom, your mask is on. But once you're seated at your table, you don't have to have a mask. It's the unbelievable arbitrarity of that. Uh, is, does COVID have like a height function that I was not aware of? Like, does it only swim at like six feet in the air and above? So if you're at that level, you have to wear a mask, but once seated, it's like we, I couldn't possibly get down there and infect that person. I am I, I don't quite get the rule there, but I get that they're trying their best. And it's like, oh, you don't, we don't need you wearing a mask if you're eating. Cause that's in- uncomfortable or it's a pain. But the, we're all just sort of trying our best here and, and not really figuring we, out anything. And no, and there is
0: there is no possible logic to any of it. I mean, that's... But it, I mean, in some ways, it's like... You know, I, I think a lot about where we're going to be going forward from all of this. And I think about 9-11 and what it used to be like to go to the airport. And, and I mean, how now how silly it all seemed but I mean it used to be you would go to the airport and they would ask you three security questions <laughs> when you would check in remember that Are you gonna we're blow it like, up? The, like no okay yeah, I was gonna say Good they really advice. it was it was really like that it was like right it was it was uh did you pack your own bag uh has anybody given you anything uh since you got here and and yeah and are you gonna blow things up that's it it was like those were the questions and they they put them like in a little plastic sheets so you could see them while, mm-hmm. you know, you you almost wanted like one of those markers with a check, you know, where you could just <laughs> check box each of them or something. And then they were like, okay, free to go. You're ready to go. And and obviously they changed all of that. And then it was like, okay, well, so now you've got to do this, this, and this, and this, and this and you're not allowed to go here and you're not allowed to go there. And then that idiot uh, tried to blow up the plane with a shoe bomb. And then we had to take off our shoes. Like we had for like forever, like and no, I, I mean, we asked it, but we didn't really ask. No, none of us really were like, is this making us one tenth of one thousandth of a percent safer? And it's like nobody at that point, you don't you don't ask, right? You just go out, ah, whatever we got to do, we got to yep. do it. Just that's it. And that's where we are. It feels like the rules are not only arbitrary, they're just like I went and got my hair cut for the first time uh, a couple of days ago. And, and it was a, it was a all mask. You, you, you had to wear masks in there, which, uh, you know, is, is, is to me the right way. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy in the corner and he was not wearing a mask, getting his, his, his haircut. And I was not close to him, but he was, he was off in the corner and he was not wearing a mask. And I thought that was really strange. I'm like, well, look, everybody's wearing a mask. Why is that guy not wearing a mask? And. I was told cause I didn't complain about it, but I was like, "Oh, that's I, I, weird." I thought everybody's wearing a mask, and I was told he was not wearing a mask because he has a beard. This is what, what the- they told me. <laughs> he has—he's well, he's got a beard. So I—I I assumed that they meant because he has a beard, they couldn't cut his hair while he was wearing a mask. Or I, I didn't—I—I I didn't follow the full logic. But as soon as he got his hair cut, he put a mask back on. So. I, you know, I thought, well, maybe that is like a COVID thing. Like if you have a beard and you're sitting down and you're having your hair cut, you're fine. You're completely, you're, 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 there's no chance that you could pass along uh, this, this uh, virus with that situation. So yeah, it is, it's goofy. It's goofy. But it, but it drives you kind of crazy, doesn't it? Like, you're, that bothers you more than I think it bothers other... Like, other people are just like, whatever, accept it. But for you, the way your mind works, you're kind of like, this is
1: just stupid. I don't like... I don't like arbitrary things. Like, I just... I Like, what you talked about at the, yeah. at the airport. I hate security theater. I get why we're all doing it, and I know that it, we're all, like... We're all mentally weak, and I have a billion things where, like, this is really stupid, but it makes me feel better, so whatever... I get, like, that works. But when they don't make sense to me, they really don't make sense to me. And it's like, I need everybody to know it. Like, hey, why are we why are we doing this? And then <laughs> nobody can ever answer it and I'm not popular for having asked a question. So I just, I now save it for podcasts so I can throw it on at the end and hopefully in a judgment-free well,
0: it, it In fact, from here on in, when you're on the podcast, you no longer have, uh, are required to do a one last meaningless thing. Instead... What we want from you each uh podcast is one Brandon McCarthy. This makes absolutely no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all we need. And we need to get Mike on here because uh cause cause Michael. Cause he'll Mike is, it. He'll the great it. thing about Mike is he'll dispute you. He'll be like, No, that makes perfect sense. And then you'll yell at him and it'll be great. <laughs>
1: He's he's been, he's, he's been ducking about. me about the last four or five times I've been on.
0: Awesome. Well, all right. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh this has been uh this has been awesome.
1: Well, Joe, thanks for having me.